I have two homework assignments for us this week. I know, I know, churches don't give homework, but seminary professors do, even retired ones, so there. And it's not like you have to do it. I mean, if you can live with a failing grade, that's fine. But the two homework assignments, honestly, are really kind of fun and engaging anyway. The first one is to watch the movie Places in the Heart. It'll cost you a few bucks on a streaming service, and even if you've seen it before, and even if I ruin the ending for you, it is still an amazing thing to watch. And even if I ruin it, it's not like that really matters. I mean, if you think about it, the gospel stories, we've read them and told them over and over. We know how they end, and yet we continue to live through them. Places in the Heart came out in the 80s, but it is set in the 30s. It's Depression-era Waxahachie, Texas. And it's a kind of, uh, kind of a Garden of Eden. It's, it's small town. Folks put on their Sunday best and they go to church where they sing the old gospel hymns like, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And when they drive home, their houses are surrounded by white picket fences and they say grace over plates of fried chicken and mashed potatoes. But not everything is perfect in this Garden of Eden. People unable to pay their mortgage, they are evicted and they live in their cars. And the KKK is active and they have their eyes on this black man who's passing through town. And even Sheriff Spaulding, who sits down with his family after church, and while he's saying grace, they hear gunshots. He has to go and check it out. It's a black boy with a pistol, which doesn't that seem timely to hear about a white law enforcement officer and a black man? Well, in this case, it's, it's pretty harmless. Wiley, the black boy, has been drinking, just letting some steam off, and he's shooting a pistol at some bottles. But when the sheriff calls his name and he turns around, the gun accidentally goes off and he kills the sheriff. And the KKK drags the boy at the back of a pickup truck until he is dead and they hang his body so that everyone will know justice has been served. Now all is not right. Edna Spaulding, the widow with two kids, has no financial resources. But then this crazy array of characters enters her life. There's this blind man, Mr. Will, who's been boarding with them. And then there's Moses, the black man passing through town, who teaches her how to grow cotton. And there's this incredible array of characters, and there's much more to the plot. But one thing that stands out is you cannot easily determine what is good and what is bad. It's just not that clear cut. The man in church who holds his wife's hand has been cheating on her. That's the first assignment to watch the movie Places in the Heart. The second one is to wrestle with this parable that we read, including verses we didn't read where Matthew gives a little bit of a clue to the parable. Wrestle with it. You heard it. A man, a, a master, an owner, a farmer, he, he sows seed and, and wheat comes up. Wheat as far as the eye can see. Now, I can't exactly relate to this, but I remember in high school, 
one of my friends, Pat Coleman, he and his brother, they left Texas for the summer to go up through Oklahoma, Kansas, and Nebraska harvesting wheat. And he said it just stretched on forever. And that's what happens in the parable. There's this wheat that comes up, but also some weeds. And scholars note how there was this one plant that resembled wheat. You, you just you couldn't quite tell. And it was planted, in this case, by the enemy. Because if last week in the parable of the sower we learned that Jesus sows, well, he's not the only one. There's an enemy. Now, there's two things you have to know about any parable, this one included. These two things, if you get these... It's not like it'll become simple, but it at least makes it clear as to what you're trying to do. The first one is that in all of the parables, they are drawn from first century Mediterranean life, the normal stuff. In other words, in a parable about wheat and weeds, you're not going to hear anything about embargoes on foreign wheat or John Deere implements or bulletins from the Department of Agriculture. None of that. It'll be like first century farming. But the second thing is that in the midst of all that ordinary stuff from the first century Mediterranean world, there will be something that shocks you, that absolutely turns everything upside down. That's why the parables begin. Now, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like this. Not the kingdom of Rome or the empire of Rome. It's it's the kingdom or the empire of God is like this. So when you read this parable, what shocks you? Well, it, it can't be that there are weeds. <laughs> I mean, anybody that gardens knows that. We paid this guy recently to come and put a bed on the north side of our house. He removed the sod. He sprayed a pesticide on the remaining soil. He put down that matting and then edged it. And we planted with the mulch, the hydrangeas, and the hostas, but it's not going to be long. There's going to be weeds. But you see, in the parable, the weeds stand for evil, bad people. And if that's the case, well, it can't be shocking that there are good people and bad people in the world. I mean, who needs a parable to tell us that? And it can't be that there's an enemy. Everybody knows that, too. I mean... Jesus, Matthew, all they had to do was look out their window. The Roman army conquers. Now, I think the shocking thing is that the owner of the field, he's not concerned. I, I, my good friend David May, who teaches the New Testament, said, imagine if someone spray paints a swastika on your garage door and you say to the neighbors, oh, don't worry about that. We're going we're gonna to paint the house again anyway next year. What? You, you, can't, you can't leave the weeds among the weed. That, that, that makes no sense. But the owner of the field says, if we try to separate them, we'll get it wrong. We'll get it wrong. Some of you may know the name David Merrick. He was a longtime pastor at Disciples Church out in Olathe. He passed away at a young age, not that long ago. And one of the things they celebrated at his life, which he was known for, was what most people would call weeds, he called wildflowers. <laughs> and this struck home with me because 
I don't know, two weeks ago, I was walking my five-year-old granddaughter, Emma, along the sidewalk, and she wanted to pick a flower. But it was a dandelion. I said, oh, no, no, Emma, that's a weed. And she said, Papa, nuh-uh, it's a flower, look. <laughs> can you tell, do you think you can tell wheat from weeds? I mean, how do you tell? When our extended family gets together, our three kids and the grandkids, our middle child, our daughter, will almost invariably be heard saying, don't judge me. That's even the way she says, don't judge me. Now, she always says this when she is putting yet another piece of pie on her plate or pouring another glass of wine. Don't judge me. When she says, don't judge me, it is the perfect moment to judge. It is so easy. But can you tell wheat from weeds? A few years ago, neo-Nazis and white supremacists gathered in Charlottesville, and the president famously said, there are good people on both sides. Really? Are, are you telling me there are, there are wheat among neo-Nazis? And, and weeds among the opposition? Is that possible? Are all the people at a Trump rally or a Black Lives Matter gathering, are they all of one crop? Is that possible? And which crop? How did you know that? And when you looked at the footage of protests over police uh, abuse, could you tell who was wheat and who was weeds? If someone stays past curfew, do they automatically become a weed? And if someone has grown tired of 400 years of racial injustice, if their anger bubbles up, does that anger make them weed? How... Do you tell wheat from weeds? I had never thought about this in the life of Jesus until I wrestled with this parable. Jesus and every other Jew in his time, they knew without a shadow of a doubt that the Roman Empire and its army were evil. And they were right. It was a force. It was a system. And everywhere it went, it mowed people down, and it destroyed. You couldn't deny that. But is it possible that some soldier in the system was wheat? Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to pray for your enemies, to love your enemies. And only a page or two before this parable, Jesus meets a Roman soldier, and he says of this man, I did not find anyone in all of Israel with the faith of this guy. Now, don't tell Jesus I said this, but you can tell. You can tell wheat from weeds. You just need to practice. If your parents told you like they told me not to hang out with the wrong kind of people, that meant we had to figure out who they were. Wheat from weeds, and you can do it. If you're at the pool and the family gets out of the minivan and they put on sunscreen and they have little individual snacks and Ziploc bags, that's wheat. Write that down, that's wheat. Now, if the guy is sleeveless with a beer gut and his music is blaring and his kids are running, running around a pool, that's weed. 
probably smokes weed for all I know. When I taught at the seminary, I gave homework. But one of the things that surprised them was I would say, you really need to be watching movies and reading novels. And they couldn't quite figure out why. And I said, there, there's really one main reason. There's a lot of good reasons, but the one main reason is because they refuse to portray people as purely good or purely evil. They're pretty good at that. And the farmer in this parable, turns out he's patient. And he's a symbol of God. As for God's vision for us wheat and weeds, well, that's where the end of that movie comes in. It's a Lord's Day again, and they're in church in their Sunday best, and it seems like everybody is there. The man that we've learned is a member of the KKK is there. And blind Mr. Will and Moses, who's helping Edna, and Edna, everybody is there. And it's time for communion, and the choir sings in the garden. And then they start to pass those trays of bread and wine. And in the most surreal moment, somehow, Sheriff Spaulding, who has been killed, and Wiley, the black boy who killed him, they are both there. They are alive in this scene. And the one passes communion to the other and says, peace of God, peace of God. I guess we've got homework to do.